Uh-huh. <laughs> Murphy's Digital Law. There you go. I like that there's a specific uh, digital version. You, I just you can, made it up right now, but it, it, it must be out there. I'm yeah. sure if you type it into Google, it's going to be there. Yeah, and you can download it free. So <laughs> I think you download it free as soon as you buy any electronic device. It just comes installed. You're listening to the Music Manument Podcast for January 18th, 2015. Learn more at musicmanument.com. Hi, and welcome to another Music Manument. I am Tom, and joining me is Doug. Hey, Doug. I think we have so much to say. I'm not even. Let's just go, Tom. We yeah. got so much to talk about. So you could have just said, "Hey, Tom." I could have, but you know. <laughs> and see, now I delayed it even more. I and, know. Uh, we have with with us today. We have uh, Ilya, correct? It's one of yeah, those correct. Hi, uh, hi, <laughs> from biting <laughs> elbows. It's one of those things where, like, I just asked you right before we started what it was, and then I went to say it, and I was like, "Is that what he said to say?" So, yeah. um, good. I'm glad I was correct. You got um, it. You got it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're from the band Biting Elbows. That's right. And uh, now, it, right, I guess uh, if I remember correctly from our email conversations or Doug's email conversations with you, you move back and forth a lot. But right now, if, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, you're in Russia right now? I'm in Moscow. Yeah. Moscow. Okay. And uh, it, first of all, I would like to know what's uh, Biting Elbows? Where where'd that name come from? Just out of curiosity, um, it's it's actually um, it's a direct translation of a Russian saying, which um, means to bite one's elbow. I don't know if there's one. I don't think this is saying like that in English, but to bite one's elbows is if you um, if you get upset over um, missing missing out on something, to realize a potential situation that you could have had that passed by you. Uh, so it's uh, since we're a punk band, we're supposed to have something of a negative connotation in name. That's like a rule. Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually, at that point, I did not know that there was an English saying. And then it, we kept it for a long time. And then um, I thought we should change it to something a little more positive. But um, it turns out that to most uh, un-Russians, um, it means uh, to do the impossible. Which is like, okay, that's pretty cool. We should keep it. So yeah. we did. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was going to say, how are you? How are you going to bite your elbow? I mean, we do have a somewhat similar saying uh, in in America, which is, "You should never put anything in your ear except your elbow." <laughs> That's very close. Yes, <laughs> which because it's something you can't do. <laughs> yep. so. What about a Q-tip, though? That's actually it's it's uh, it was one of the precautionary tales, like a PSA announcement from like the 70s about how you shouldn't put q-tips in your ears because there's so much damage from putting q-tips in your ears and if i remember correctly it was some comedian at the time who uh that's that's what he said at the end he's like and remember kids you should never put anything in your ear and then right before the commercial ended he said except for your elbow and and i remember hearing that and i'm like well why would you why is it okay to do that and i remember as a kid thinking that and then i went to try and do it and i'm like oh (laughs) i don't know so yeah no biting of them though um (laughs) and uh so to get to to the real meat of the the band uh for those who may just be hearing about you for the first time do you want to describe uh kind of what the band's all about or the music uh that you guys play uh i should have come prepared but um, it's all right it's um it's um we're um english language russian based um punk band that's sort of it's an, i guess it, 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 we kind of go from punk rock to a little bit of indie and slight bits of alternative mm-hmm. but it's always like whatever we do we, we got you know we got the typical ska in there and all that little 
bits and pieces thrown in but um it's it's always punk no matter like you can play punk because uh, I, I don't think punk is about the chords or the delivery i think punk is um for better or worse is the soul of what you're trying to say so i think we stick to that most of the time and i think we do pretty well and um if I didn't play in the band, I think I would listen to the band, and I think that's the biggest compliment <laughs> I can give myself. I don't listen to that much bad. stuff. Yeah. The uh, I I do have to agree the uh, with the the ska and the indie. I did get that from listening to a lot of your stuff, and there was uh, I believe I'm going to be forgetting names here. Um, I don't have your song list open. Oh wait, maybe I do. There's one that I believe. Yeah, toothpick. I was going to yes. say the one that has toothpick in the title, and it is the title, toothpick. Yes, uh, <laughs> that one actually has uh, somewhat of a of a ska feel, and I kind of like that. But it was very different from the one that you have the video for, uh, the previous video, which was Bad Motherfucker. There we go. Yeah, that's um, the one people might have seen. Correct, and my God, talk about views, huh? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I was doing the preview. Rather impressive. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so now coming from that and it, there's a lot. Oh, there's so much to lead up to to talk about. And I'm trying to find a good way to cover everything that I want to talk about. Um, so in watching that video, I feel mm -hmm. like it's a precursor to the project that we're going to be talking about very soon. Um, yes. The the video itself was shot in kind of a first person shooter type action sort of sequence. Yes. Um, and uh, now the music behind it is you guys. Uh, in the video itself, how did that all come about? Like, was it something you guys thought of? Did somebody approach you? I mean, how did this all all this craziness sure, begin? Sure, sure. Okay, um, before Bad Motherfucker, there was a prequel that we released in 2011 for uh, one of the songs of the first EP. Um, it was called The Stampede. And um, that got quite a bit of views, but at least by that point, that was a ton of views to us, like 3 million for. And um, we got great reviews from all over the place. And um, I think when it, time came to shoot the next video I was like well you know we can take this further and now that we saw this as kind of a success we should probably you know find a sponsor or get some money for them to do it properly, like with a decent budget and uh, we did we kind of um, we found the money and we started shooting and you know we released so that that worked out well but uh, the whole POV thing came about from two things one I love video games and uh, first person shooters as well um, not my favorite genre, but it's up there. Mm. And um, I bought myself a GoPro when I was snowboarding. I'm a shitty snowboarder, but I bought that GoPro. I saw how shitty I snowboarded, and I gave it away to a friend never to be embarrassed again. And he brings it back, and he says, hey, check it out. I was just running around my backyard. And he was running around, and uh, he didn't have a helmet camera or anything, so he put the thing on in his mouth for like you know a minute while doing some parkour shit. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I saw... For the first time ever, I saw a POV video shot sequence that felt like it was shot from the eyes of the person doing the shooting because most of you know you put up on the helmet it, it feels wonky it feels weird it doesn't have anything your hands are too low and whatever um but that felt pretty good and i said we should get a rig together and we should shoot a small music video see how how that will work out and that's we shot the stampede on like 400 hundred dollar budget pretty much 350 of that went to the pizza to feed all of my friends who came along to get their head kicked in mm -hmm. and um and then they came out and did pretty well. Then the second one had a big budget, not a big, but a bigger. And um, that's when um, 
our lives changed. <laughs> now, That's, well, with the second one and, and with it having the bigger budget, I mean, how, how does something like that come about? I mean, I'm sure lots of musicians are going to be like, you know, one day we woke up and we had a big budget, you know. <laughs> no, sure. What happens is we went to, because um, I work as a, my, um, my day job is I'm a director. Um, and I, I shoot commercials a little bit. I shoot music videos a little bit. And I shoot, uh, uh, and I work occasionally on film. But um, we had um, a friend who used to set up these kind of projects with like big alcoholic brands in Russia. He used to Moscow. He used to do like these parties for like you know bring like foreign stars out and sort of like he's he's a guy that knows people. So I brought him a I did a really nice presentation like twenty pages explaining like all the all the past the claim we got for the first part and like what we're going to do for the second one. I had a short script um, and all the statistics, all the views of all the countries, and just sort of we did our you know, homework there. And, uh, he, he brought along to some, um, to some companies, um, including an alcoholic brand, which I'm not going to name. Uh, but they, uh, they said, go ahead. And I did the stupidest thing ever, which you should never do. And I've done this twice now. I'll never repeat it for the third time. Hopefully is you, they said, go ahead. They signed the contract. Uh, but it's, it's Russia where contracts are not nearly as valued as they are you know, in a Western world, sadly. Okay. Um, so we, so I borrowed, because uh, they said, yeah, just start. And I wanted to start right away. So I borrowed some money. I started shooting. And then uh, they saw, like, the first, like, two minutes of the five-minute thing. Like, oh, no, it's too violent. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You saw the script. The, the script said, headshot, first five seconds. Dog comes out the window in the 15th second. I didn't do anything more or less than I promised than what you signed off on. And like, no, no, it's too much. Our bosses in America are going to say no, because it's a big international. I think it's an American international company. Okay. And, um, and so I was kind of screwed because at this point I, I borrowed a lot of money, which I did not have, and I didn't know how to return it. So I realized, well, we're going to have to go all in, and I borrowed more money. I shot all the way to the end, and I started, once the thing was finished, um, I went and started showing it to to more brands. And I got lucky because I met a guy who does um, Neft Vodka, which is, um, which is that, that can you see in the music video, the black sort of oil drum. Oh, that, right. That's his, that's his vodka packaging, and he's just he's just a punk rock kind of guy. He's 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 about, he's around forty. He's very hip. He's like, yeah, fuck it, let's do this. It's great. <laughs> and uh, so he covered the budget. And I, I didn't make any money off it, but I made enough to pay all the people who kind of worked in it for free. And so they got something back, and I got back in return. I got you know, I got the the, the power and the fame. But um, I got lucky. It's uh, you never shoot anything with your own money if you can shoot with somebody else's. That's right. a very good reason for that. Not because you got to be a Scrooge McDuck, but because there's always too many risks that creative people should not, as much as possible, not be taking. So um, that's a lesson learned. But generally, what you have to do, if you have something that you think deserves a sponsorship, you have to present it nicely, make your case. Obviously, it's nice to have some previous sort of uh, victories in this field. Um, and you got to give them a nice demo, and then you got to shop it around, and maybe somebody will like it. Uh, I'm not saying they will, but there's, you know, the better work you do and the better sort of presentation you do, the more chances. Because people do have mm, companies do have money for sponsorship. Most, not I'm not saying every company, but a lot of people company, a lot of companies have sort of little fund here for advertising, and you don't need that much to make a great music video. Bad motherfucker did not cost me like fifty thousand dollars; it cost way less. But. Um, it's just you have to go and you look and then hopefully, you know, one, one who seeks has a chance of finding. Remember that thing from The Office where Michael Scott draws up? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Yes. 
Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's quote that he put Michael Scott underneath as a double quote <laughs> weird thing. Well, yeah. that's what that's what you really have to do. So I'm gonna put my name at the bottom of Michael Scott's name. I totally agree <laughs> with him. <laughs> so I wanted to have an antidote about my. I wouldn't even call it a, a career, but my, I guess my previous filmmaking hobby. Um, that that is not a particular Russian thing for people to like read a script and totally not get what is going on. So I had a script that like was like had all this sex involved, and then people saw that there were like sex scenes and they were like freaking out. And I was like, "What do you want me to do? You, you know, just like you know, th- th- show some like clothes on the ground or something." <laughs> so you know, I guess I guess euphemisms is what people like. Um, but I had a, sort of a technical question about the way the GoPro in the mouth. So are you like setting up like a, a har- harmonica, like a Bob Dylan harmonica type system to hold the GoPro or, ha- or like using, you know, like a Google glass type thing. Um, because, you know, if, if that was, you know, the vision was like, you're moving it down three or four inches and, and it looks a lot more natural. I mean, you can't, you can't hold a GoPro in your mouth for an entire feature. I wouldn't think. I mean, I guess you could technically, but well, uh, I'll tell you this much: we did. We, we had a mask. We bought. We went to. Um, we did, there was there was three stages to to having a successful rig. The first, um, well, because I had the access to an office for like a Friday for a couple of hours to shoot the intro to the stampede, so I didn't have a mask or a rig by that point. So what I did was I took a bunch of tissues, put this thing in my mouth, and I shot the first minute and a half of all before the action starts, like a minute of just walking around and the alarm going off and all that crap. Um, then we went to a sex shop and we started looking for bondage masks so that we can kind of adapt for. Uh, <laughs> or as cameras. I like to so call it, a Wednesday. So. Yes. <laughs> the people, the people in the shop were like. Uh, we were saying, you know, we need this for the camera. They're like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> we we bought like a like a ball gag kind of thing, which you know fell apart after like the first use, and I mean proper use, not that kind of use. But um, so that didn't work out. And then um, I went, I think it was, um, I went to a paintball slash strike ball sh- store and had a bunch of different like custom masks. And um, there's a guy in Russia who sort of. Um, does um, strike ball masks in the shape of the predator's head, and the, if you remember the predator's helmet, he's got this really smooth, uh, um, smooth surface right where his nose and down to his ma- the mouth would be. Mm-hmm. So that was perfect for to stick the GoPro and the little sticky 3M things that they have in the in the in the GoPro package, and that's what we um, that's what we used. So we used the first the stampede was shot on the predator mask, which we. Uh, kind of adapted and just cut out the eyes bigger and took all the dreadlocks off because they were too heavy and whatever. And, um, and then for the film, we did a proper, uh, we did a proper R and D and we developed a magnetic stabilization system to make it, you know, nicer for the cinema. Now, so it's, it, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I didn't know if you were done with that. There. Keep going. I'm done. It's actually. It's a typical. I have no idea how to end. I have to look at people who give interviews and who talk because I always finish a thought and I'm like, and that's my thought. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're gonna move on. So, yeah, I'm learning. I I, I sometimes just go the end. Um, ah, I'll try that. Okay. <laughs> but the uh, the one thing I wanted to ask about uh, when you were. Now, first, actually, this will be a series of questions. How about that? Like an interview itself. Um, now, you after you had the problems with the first people that were involved, and then you said you shipped it around. Um, again, I think this process is really important for people to learn because everybody's all like uh, they make it, and people just come to them and give them tons of money, right? 
Um, the uh, it, now you you said that you went out and shipped it around and talked to other people. Now is this connections from work or did you just really do kind of a grassroots thing and just seek people out? No, what you do is you start. Cause here's the thing: um, if you have something that's ballsy and something that's not safe, um, it's useless to go around showing it to like the lower PR guys at the companies because their job is to protect the brand. They're like, no, no violence involved. You go away, sir. That's what they're always going to say. And they're right because they want to keep their job and that's what their job entails is protecting the brand. So if you have something that's a little more out there, you got to go higher up. And so what I did was I just started asking anyone, anyone that I know, uh, if they know anybody who sort of makes decisions in, in, uh, in, um, I think it was I went to alcoholic brands first because that's what I wanted to insert into the shot and it could have worked easy. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it was like I talked to five people and one of the fifth, well, like the fifth person there found found the guy. So oh, I know this guy; he might be interested. So and he was. He, he right after he saw it, he was like, "This is great." But then if I went to his PR person, like if I went through the ladder, it would have been a no. I'm pretty sure it would have been a no. Okay. And and was this just an industry list or you just had some people in mind that you were thinking of or No, I did not know anybody in the alcoholic industry. Okay. And it was just people uh like I knew some 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 producers who did music videos and do commercials. These sort of just generally uh no no, you know, they don't have there's not no such thing as a list, but you have right. It's, it's all personal connections. Yeah, and that, that's what I figured. And it, it's a good thing to have. That's why it's always good to keep meeting people uh from what I've seen. Yeah. It's absolutely integral to 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 success. You got. I mean, here's the thing. There's a lot of super talented people who are fantastic at what they do, but they'll never have a chance to do it because they sit home and they keep on creating. I've wrote scripts for five years. Mm-hmm. I wrote scripts for five years. I went around. Nothing worked. Nothing worked, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is not good." This. I mean, they're pretty good scripts. I'm not saying they're fantastic, but they were interesting enough to be funded. They weren't expensive, but nothing worked. Uh, because I sat at home and I, and I just kept on writing them with my friend. We were writing and writing and writing. And uh, I never got out of the house to actually... It's actually an old uh, Jewish joke that someone told me when I was visiting Israel. They said, um, uh, uh, what's the... Um, do you guys know by any chance the wall they have? I'm going to Google this one sec. Okay. The wall of, On the West Bank? Or uh, in Jerusalem, wall? the Wall of Tears. There yeah. you go. Mm. So the Wall of Tears is where you know where where people come and they sort of write their their hopes and dreams and messages. They write it on a little uh, little uh, little um, piece of paper and they and they scroll it up and they, and they put it into the wall and that thing's supposed to come true. Well, the joke is this: for ten years, uh, an old Jew keeps writing, uh, uh, "Dear God, uh, I want to win the lottery. Help me win the lottery." And he does it, you know, every day for 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 ten years. And after ten years, the, he wakes up and and. and and the curtains are all flashing around, and there's the big, big, big bright, bright uh, light. And he, he's like, oh, what is this? And, and you hear the voice of God, and he's like, Abraham. And he's like, God, is, is it you? He's like, buy a fucking lottery ticket. <laughs> nice. So that's what you have to do. You really have to go buy a fucking lottery ticket. You can be the greatest person ever, but, you know. And, I'm, and I, this is it's kind of like, it saddens me when I think about it, that I know there's a lot of talented people we're not going to ever have a chance because they're not good with meeting with people. They're not good with talking to people. But if you put them behind a camera or you put them, you know, whatever, it, it could be fantastic. But that is part and parcel of the job. You cannot be a fantastic director who cannot talk to people. You just can't. You're not going to get anywhere. And there's never been the history of make, making films. There's never been anybody who couldn't talk to people. He might be an asshole, yes, but he can talk. 
when he needs to. So you actually had something more than just an idea for a music video, too, which I think is important for people to know, is you knew where you were going to bring them in. You knew where the product placement was going to be. Now, it sounds kind of silly, like it's so obvious, like where something might be, but if you don't highlight where the sponsor is going to you know, get the value out of it, then mm-hmm. they're not going to be interested. No, you got everyone's got to you can't expect anybody to be a charity. It'd be nice if they were, but businesses are not that, right? And you sh- everybody should know that. Yeah. So you got to get them interested and you got to ask for an appropriate amount of money. Uh so, you know, if, if you have no name, you ask just enough to get the project done without, you know, making too much or making even anything personally. Like I didn't make anything a bad motherfucker, like I said money-wise. But I made it in the sense I made I made the the product which got my name out there, which was more important than any amount of not any amount of money, but most amount of money. So you got to go in there, and get people interested, and uh, it's um, you got to hustle. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Sounding from from coming from a white boy, you just got to hustle. That's yeah. what you got to do. <laughs> it, yeah, it really it really does show your your uh, your rough upbringing when you talk like that. Um, <laughs> The uh, And that was the one thing I was going to point out, too, is that the beauty of talking about this and getting this stuff out there. In the meantime, you've got your music in the background and you're like promoting that along with this. So while you're also promoting this video and this vision and this view, you're also you've also got a second thing where you're showing your musical artistic side that is coming along with the package. So it's kind of it's kind of a cool way to go about. Uh, it's not necessarily killing two birds with one stone, but. Uh, but it present, is, yeah. It actually, like you're actually, it, it, it actually, no, you actually, you're wrong about saying it's not two birds with one stone. It is. It's it's two birds with one stone, and um, I'm very lucky in that respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have found. Here's the problem: there aren't that many bands in Russia that I think are any good, to be honest. And if you look at the bands that can can potentially have any sort of appeal anywhere outside of Russia, you got to sing in English, obviously, or whatever. You cannot sing in Russian because no one's going to listen to it, right? Apart from Russians, that's fine. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, my when I was growing up um, and playing music and, and studying film and working, uh, my parents was like, "You should just pick one and do that. The music's going to be useless. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to, you know, be happy. Well, you might be happy. You're not going to make any money. You should make film because that's that's what I always wanted. You always wanted to do that. So go make film, and, and you should just put the guitar down." I'm like, mm. and kind of for a long time, I struggled doing both things and not um, having any sort of success in either of them. But in the end, what, was, what, what I find kind of ironic is that is that right? Ironic is the right word. I think it might be. What what happens was I had the music that gave me an idea to make a music video, and I could have the director's part of me pull the music and the music pull that thing up. So it's sort of it's a very synergetic procedure that happened. And had I not had the music, I don't know what I'd be doing in 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 that respect. And also, which came about first? Were you a filmmaker before a musician? Were they always kind of hand in hand? I I loved film since I was about I think I was I was ten when I said I want to be director, ten or eleven. Um, well, watching Goldfinger for like fiftieth time. Nice. But um, it's actually getting a re-release in 4K. Just premiered in um, some festival, so that's going to be something to look forward to. It's going to come on theaters again, hopefully. Oh. But um, that's besides the point. Sorry. Um, right. I just read the news today. I was like, yay. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So film was always first. I didn't care about music until I was about 15. Um, and then at 15, I heard um, I heard music that I actually could, you know, because before that, I'd listen to whatever person next to me in class was listening to. And mostly it was pretty shit, uh, flavor of the month kind of crap. And I just didn't care. But then I started listening to me. I got into punk and, and I started, you know, buying a lot of punk music and just getting into it and listening to all the old stuff and finding my favorites. And that 
you know, uh, got me to pick up a guitar and pretend to sing. And <laughs> here we are. But yeah, film first to answer your question. Sorry, I, I tend to go on tangents. No, that's quite all right. You're you're basically talking to a guy that I'm amazed that I've kept the conversation this on point. Um, the because uh, I even have a note that I wrote down to make sure that uh, I referred back to this because uh, with the filmmaking thing and and about how long you've been doing it. Because uh, if you weren't involved in the uh, in making film in some way, I was I had a note down going like, what do you live next to a production studio or something? Because like all the videos that you guys have are very well done, and you don't see that a lot Thank from uh, independent bands. So um, Thank you very much. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very. Sorry. Go no, go right ahead. Um, I want to say I'm very lucky um, because the videos look. I know they look good. I, I, some of them look. I think look. I think Toothpick is a fantastic music video. Yeah. And if I the, the way I have, I was just thinking about this the other day. I made a little post about it on Facebook. Is that the way I judge music videos? I judge um, apart from all the technical aspects and how well it fits the song and you know the creative the execution, whatever. Uh, the, the the most important thing in a music video for me is am I jealous or am I not? And every time I'm jealous, I realize this is a fantastic music because I don't get jealous very easily. But I do sometimes, and those magic moments are magical. Um, so I look at Toothpick. I think Toothpick, if, if whoever was shot by, I would have been jealous. I think it's, it's the, everything that just came together. But what I wanted to say, um, to answer your question, was that I'm very lucky to have people um, who really like working with me, who really believe in whatever I'm trying to do. And these people are super talented. So, and I've always been surrounded, I have no idea why this happened, but I've always been surrounded by people who, um, who could help out, who wanted to help out and not just help out a little bit, but actually help out, um, and bring all their professional knowledge. Like the DP who shot all the, all the videos that aren't, um, first person based, he's a fantastic DP and I've been working with him for a long time now. And, uh, so when I asked him to do this, you know, he didn't charge me the, the full price, which would have been out of my range. Uh, and you know, I didn't have to pay the director cause I wouldn't pay myself. So there's a lot of little, little things where I save and just a lot of people who want to help out. And, um, you know, when, when bad motherfucker happened and now hardcore happened, what I did was I, I got everybody who has ever sort of been, you know, supportive of me. I got him either a job with us or, you know, part in the film, just, you know, I kind of gave back and I think it's a nice little balance and I think everybody really appreciates it, including me first and foremost. Yeah, that's cool. And, and the one, th now I want to ask two more things before we move on to the project that you're working on. Um, the, uh, first one I want to ask is in bad motherfucker where <laughs> there's a lot of chasing and a lot of falling, and mm -hmm. uh, somehow you're jumping from a, a, like a junkyard of planes. I don't know. Uh, the <laughs> in a lot of those, I'm seeing it. I'm like, especially the one where you're falling floor from floor. All right, mm -hmm. what the hell? How are you doing that? Okay, so that's. I, I mean, are you literally just dropping yourself? Are it is it restraints? I mean, what's how are the stunts done? Is this just kind um, of what you do? <laughs> If you want to, it's, it's, it's funny that people tend to ask about the elevator one first. Okay. It's not, it, was, it was by far not the, the most, uh, the elevator shaft. Sorry, it's not an elevator shaft. It's, um, it's that floor thing. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it was supposed to be built in the office for uh, like a miniature elevator for the cook to send food up to the execs. Okay. So, uh, and, I, and then someone told me that they have this office where there's this hole. And I'm like, can I go see the hole? Because we I was writing that motherfucker at that point. I didn't know what we were going to do with that effect. 
And uh, I went there and I was like, holy shit, how long is this hole going to be here? Like another week. I'm like, we'll shoot tomorrow. So we brought a bunch of um, stunt guys over because this is one of those things that you can't do okay. by yourself. That's um, what I wanted to know. So, yeah, you can. You just you, you you can try. I mean, there's a lot of videos <laughs> right. on YouTube where people, you know, I don't want to end up in a hospital or anybody else to end up in a hospital. We've been very safe with our productions, uh, surprisingly. Okay. But um, that, that trick was done. It had um, once... Um, there's about six or seven cuts in that whole falling through the the floor sequence. Pretty much, when he gets picked up, that's one shot. When he so we, he picks up, he's put upside down. That's then it's a cut right there. You can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a big big rig above him that lowers him at pretty fast speed. So every time he would hit that bar in the center, that would hurt a little bit. Or something he did have a little bit of blood on it, but um. So he'd land, and then it'd be a cut, and and then the second guy would use a rig that we'd later uh, that we kind of moved to the side. So it's just a lot of. Um, it looks like it happens really quickly, and it feels like that. I think that's the magic behind the, the POV things. But in reality, that sequence took us, I think, a day and a half to do. Okay. Yeah, and and I well, would like well, and I would say that seconds. probably doing the uh, the point of view thing has just because of how uh, quickly the camera can move and turn around. I assumed that there had to be some sort of like it, the editing was probably really easy to go like you know splice something in just because of how how uh, shaky it can be. It, it's both easy and difficult. It's easy because you kind of you can plan ahead. Once you come to location, you can just walk through it and you can figure it out. It's difficult because you cannot once you set up the rules of the game, you cannot go away from that. And once you start editing the the full picture, you're like, yeah, oh, this got to be a little faster. It's got to be a little slower. Uh-huh. It's not that much you can do. So you're kind of locked in, and that's what we're doing with hardcore. Now we're re-editing it for like the fourth time, trying to figure it out some bits that have to be. Uh, I feel they have to be done better. So it's always like a, it's a, it's a brand new editing process. So that made sense to me, but I don't think it would make sense to somebody who hasn't done um, shooting video and editing before. The reason why that you can't change things is because you don't have multiple camera angles. Like a lot of times you'll be shooting, you know, a different scene from or the same scene from different cameras and then you can cut those together. But when everything is point of view, if you break the point of view to another camera, then you, you, you've broken it. There's there's it's no like, options. So. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, you you did explain it better. And what the other thing is, when you're shooting, say, from like you shoot a stunt from three cameras, right? And something goes wrong on one camera, the other camera gets it, etc. Here, you have one camera, there's, there's maybe one backup from the same place, but you're kind of screwed. So, if, say, if you shoot from three cameras and you don't like like an action sequence and you don't like what the second camera, you can just cut it out. Here, there's nothing you can cut out. You do need everything. So, you can't add, you can't cut away uh, unless you you're willing to risk breaking the the feeling of sort of the one shot, which is kind of an, important to this whole story, I just repeated what you said. There you go. <laughs> well, in, for emphasis, and if you ever want to dumb it down even more, the way I like to describe technical stuff to people, as I say, it's done with unicorn unicorn farts and rainbows. So, I mean, there you mm. go. That's that's another way to describe it. And how do people usually react to that? <laughs> they just laugh and then I move on. Um, oh. <laughs> little ninja thing, like you throw the smoke smoke bomb and yeah, no one exactly. notices you're gone. Yeah, Ooh, gone. That's actually a new thing I've been doing lately. Uh, my favorite thing. Throw like smoke bombs? <laughs> but but they, I don't have smoke bombs. So what I do instead is I pretend like I'm throwing one down and I just go smoke bomb and then I run away. So uh, that's also another diversion let, tactic. Let their imaginations draw the rest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all about imagination and illusion. Um, and, uh, now before we, uh, one last question before we move on to hardcore, 
Um, I did want to talk briefly. Now we, we already spoke about the sponsorship and everything, but being a creative commons band, um, and we get people on all the time and we ask them, why is the, uh, why did they use the license they use? And, uh, most of them are just like, Oh, we did it for this and we don't want it to be used for that. You're actually actively using yours and seeking sponsorship. And that's, that's the one thing we always try to say is that it's, Oh, you know, people think that if you do things under creative commons, that people just use your work and you never get paid for it. And uh, I, I love the fact that we have an example where it's like you sought sponsorship, yet you're still a Creative Commons band. Well, here's the thing. Um, this is gonna. This is gonna. This is such an appropriate time to discuss this. Um, we like we have. If you go to our website, right, bitingelbows.com. Mm-hmm. We have links to our iTunes. We do sell the music. Uh, we have links to all our other you know social media and stuff. There's also a link to Pirate Bay. We should update it now to something else. Now Pirate Bay's down, right. sadly. But yeah, we should. I keep on seeing. I'm like, I'll update it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, um, it's we we do sell our mu- we, we do sell our music to people who want to buy it. Mm-hmm. We do sell our music for licensing to film if we like the film because it's not just about let's make some money because a thousand dollars two thousand dollars is not worth having your music in a terribly shitty film right um we do tend to to look out for that but i get people there's about a hundred i don't know how many uh not a hundred how many thousands use of bad motherfucker there are on on youtube mm-hmm. a lot of people just put in the music videos and, and not music like game videos and everything and I've never taken a single one down, even though it takes literally like five clicks to complain, report it, and it'll get shut down immediately. Yeah. Because I like that people are if, – if, 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 I think the greatest prize, apart from uh, being able to sort of buy food and stuff <laughs> with having your music out there, is um, having your creative stuff inspire somebody else to do some creative stuff. Or you don't have to have creative stuff, just – if, if your music is inspiring in any way, it's fantastic. I think it's like the greatest compliment you, you, can, you can get. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when everyone writes to me and says, can I use your music? This? I say, go ahead, do it. No problem. Right. But um, the only time I don't like it is when if, if somebody would use it for a commercial, I would shut it down. And that, that has happened before in mm-hmm. Russia. Uh, but apart from that, I say, you know, it, it's in the 21st century, it's, it's useless to try and hang on to Hang on to complete copyright. Uh, not copyright. I don't think it's not so much copyright. It's complete. Like you can't use this. You can't do this. Well, people are going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You can be an asshole about it, or you can sort of, you know, embrace and go with the flow. And I think that's um, anybody who does otherwise, who's not a big artist, um, is making a kind of a mistake. So that's my reasoning. I never clicked on like what kind of, uh, you know, uh, copyright we were. But I kind of just thought that this is this would be right. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so I, I wanted to make a clarification real quick, okay. um, because sometimes people get confused about this. You said a use in a commercial, as in in a advertisement, not a commercial use, as in someone selling it in a th- you know like playing it in a movie that's being in a theater. Because oh. mm-hmm. that's a commercial use, but it's not used in an advertisement. And I think that's what you meant. It's, um... or did you mean commercial uses? I think I meant commercial uses because I don't want um, – again, I don't want it to play in a movie that I do not like, uh, that I didn't get paid for at least something. I can, I can go for a symbolic price. I don't, it doesn't mean I want to sell for $10,000. Right. Know, the, the most important thing, we were assigned to a Russian label who used to be a big label in the 90s that now doesn't matter at all just because most labels really don't matter in the world anymore apart from like the biggest, biggest, biggest ones. Mm. And they're on the way out too. But uh, he said uh, – we sent with him. I said, look, 
we're gonna we're gonna have it on iTunes. We're gonna have it on the internet. I want people to download it. And he said that's exactly what we have to do. He said, and this is a guy who's whose living used to depend on this. He now is a big concert promoter instead as his primary thing. But he said, if there's a choice between having your music uh, not heard but no one rips you off, or having your music heard somewhat and risking that thing you should go for it so just give it out there and that's what kind of was nice to have a, a, a label record label owner actually saying that so it was never like i said it was never a choice of like is it creative commons is that i, I never even like um thought of it that way to be honest and then and you're like okay now you don't fit this program anymore goodbye <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so we have like Every like everything across the spectrum, as long as people are releasing it under a remixable license. So yeah. non-commercial is perfectly fine. I just wanted to clarify because a lot of people think the non-commercial means that it's not used in a commercial, and that's not at all what it means. <laughs> right? No, I mean commercial means commercial isn't making money from it. I understand. I I, I had business studies, <laughs> but not not everybody has though. That's why I wanted to clarify. No, I know. <laughs> When I say I had business studies, I mean I read like a book once written by some dude who made some billions or something. Right. That's, that's business studies for you. I was in a shop once and saw that people were giving them money for services. <laughs> <laughs> and I studied I, I that. Have, uh, plenty of case studies there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, okay, now on to the uh, Indiegogo project, which uh, it closed successfully. Uh, yes, it did. The uh, the point of act or the point of view uh, point of action the point of view uh, feature film hardcore now uh, I like we said earlier this is probably be, I mean it probably was I want to say begat but I feel weird saying begat begat of the the video bad motherfucker um, um, and and just uh, what's that no no I'm sorry oh, I I was just going to say why don't you why don't you explain how this came about and you decided like you know what 5 minutes isn't long enough I need to I need to really <laughs> make, make it longer um uh, and tell us just how this came about and uh uh you know what okay. you, what you doing with it um I'll get to that one so okay. start at the beginning in the beginning, there was darkness. No, right. So we released Bad Motherfucker, and um, I think a day later, before it had like a million views, before it was, you know, before we got Darren Aronofsky and Samuel Jackson tweeting about it, I got um, an email from uh, from Timur Bekmambetov, the Russian director who's now living in the States, who made. Um, he's he's a cult director here in Russia. He's the guy who resurrected the Russian sort of. He was the first film. He's the first guy who did a, who did a good blockbuster that made money and was an interesting film in russia mm. it's called night watch and i you know if you haven't seen it i hardly recommend you do yourself a favor it's a nice little vampire modern vampire magic witch thing I, it's hard to explain you just watch it it's good mm. um then he's the sequel and he moved to america he did wanted and and now he's doing ben-hur the remake he started just now so good luck to him but he called and he said Let's do this. Let's do Bad Motherfucker, but a feature length, like not the story from Bad Motherfucker necessarily. But let's do a POV film. And he said, "I'll produce, and you can uh, you can direct it, you can write it, do whatever you want with it." And I was very hesitant. I said, "I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's one thing to have a five-minute-long YouTube video; another is to have a, a hundred-minute film up in the cinema. It's just a very different experience." He said, "We well, think about it, and since you don't really have." You don't really get that many calls like that when it's like, hey, you can do this. I'll, I'll, I'll produce. So I thought about it. And at that point, I was actually planning. Um, we were pretty close to launching um, a spy film that I w I'm going to hopefully direct next. If I put it away, uh, like a very serious, slow-moving, dramatic uh, um, thriller. 
but um, this came along. We thought we can do this pretty quickly. So I met with Timor and we started um, hashing out the general idea. And I came to Russia. We, I wrote it and uh, we started shooting. So that that was um, April 2013. So it's almost two years. So we wanted we wanted to do like an eight nine months. We thought it'd be like a quick sort of project where we'll just you know get going. But as soon as I started writing the script, it became a lot more complicated in the sense that mm-hmm. a to watch a hundred minute long music video, you got to be completely psychotic. And I didn't want to put people through that. So I said, we're going to have a story. We're going to have a lot of breaks. We're going to have, you know, sort of things to keep you excited for it. Because the action is going to be great. There's no doubt. I can do action in my sleep. But I find it, you know, after 10 minutes, there's, what are you going to do? So I started writing. And then, uh, so with writing came the characters. And the characters came the time to talk about actors. And I said, we should shoot this in English because theoretically, I can imagine, you know, people from all over the world might be interested in this. So let's get an actor who sort of uh, who is at least a little bit known and is a great actor and is an uh, English speaker. Hmm. And um, he's like, who are, you, who are you thinking of? I'm like, well, it'd be perfect to get somebody like Charlton Copley or Charlton Copley. He's like, well, I know him. So I, I, I called Charlton Copley uh, and um, we had a long chat on Skype where I said, look, there's no script right now. I'm writing it as we speak. I want to shoot it in the summer. I'm going to start in three months. If you're, if you're interested, I'll write a part for you and then we can do this crazy thing together. And, you know, he didn't say yes right away. He said, well, I need to see the script. Sorry, one, one second. Sorry, it's my wife. I'm like, I'm, I'm talking. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's the right way? It's not a, is, is it, a, is this a podcast or? Yes. I'm going to sell it. It's a podcast. So one second. Dasha, the podcast. Okay, we can go on. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, um, he didn't say yes. Right, he said write the script. I wrote the script uh, while we were prepping. The we were prepping and writing at the same time, which is like a totally ridiculous thing, which I'd never recommend to anybody. But we had to shoot in the summer because once winter comes, you can't do anything in Russia. It's just it's too mm. uh, cold and snowy and and just it's depressing. Um, so we, I finished the script and Charlton agreed. He came down and we shot the film and we shot in three blocks over period of a year and something we had like two months and then we paused for a month and two more months and we paused for six months and shot again once the winter was over and um once we finished uh, shooting we had the edit done right away we were pretty much editing on the spot and um we always wanted to do uh, sort of a crowdfunding for this thing right right off the bat because it was a we started as a very cheap independent Russian film and then we grew from the the, the more I've wrote um, the more expensive it became and we, we got crazy with helicopters tanks horses sort of you know 100 mercenaries and it just got crazier lots of locations it's one of those films where you never get stuck in the same location for a long time it's always like you know it's you start this and then two minutes later and the next thing it gets crazy and crazier and bigger and more expensive um, so we knew from the beginning we should get uh, a bit of crowdfunding into this because it's a risky project. Uh, it's hard to get an investor to put their money into this just off the back of a bad motherfucker video, which was, you know, granted, it's a pretty cool video, but it, it, are you going to give a million dollars for it? I don't know. So um, I don't necessarily have that sh- on me. Otherwise, I would. Yeah. Pocket change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, we shot a Kickstarter video. We're supposed to be Kickstarter, not Indiegogo in the beginning. We shot that right before we started shooting the film. But as soon as we shot it, it was pretty cool. But I said, let's hold off until we shoot the film, and then 
if the film is good, we'll ask for money because I didn't want to be a douchebag. It was like, hey, give me your money. This might happen. And then it doesn't. Right. And you're like, well, fuck that guy. And, you know, this has happened before. And I, and I put money into crowdsourcing, uh, crowdfunding projects. And uh, I hear a lot of them don't sort of live up to the hype. And I didn't want to be that guy, especially because it's sort of it's a reputation. You only have once. And I didn't have any. Pretty much a few people know me because of Bad Motherfucker. And that's great. But, you know, this is the next thing, and I don't want to start off my career as a dickhead. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So, um, we waited till the film was done, and when I saw it, it's actually pretty fucking great. Uh, even in its rough state, I said, let's do this now. So, we reshot the video, we uh, went to Indiegogo, and we just uh, passed uh, the project campaign. Um, what's, what's the right word? Not not the deadline, but the, but the amount oh. of dollars. Yes. Yeah, the goal. <laughs> The goal, sir. Thank you. So we passed the goal in December, and that's been very good news. And uh, we're working hard away uh, on this thing right now. There's a lot of stuff to do. And um, hopefully it'll be in 20... Because we haven't sold it yet. Because once you sell it, then you get the release date set by a distributor. But uh, fingers crossed that it's uh, it's an American studio that will find... Um, so we'll find a good release date this year, and then hopefully people will be able to go. I mean, if not, it can be 2016. It's, I just prefer it to get out the way the quicker, the, the better, because it's been happening with me for like two and a half years now, which is a pretty long uh, oh, stretch yeah. of time. Damn. And then the real question I want to ask is, where'd you get all the gun paraphernalia that you you were uh, selling with the campaign on? <laughs> you got like the gun coffee mug and the gun USB? I like that. Um, we just <laughs> we wanted to do some um, sort of some aggressive perks. And we just went online, and I actually had the gun mug. Uh, I had give, had a gift from a from a friend of mine, a mage's back that I broke both of them. They were really good, and I just wanted to. Uh, I thought I liked that mug a lot. I cried when it broke. Well, I didn't, but I was upset. Right. So I thought you can't uh, own nice a gun to... mug and cry when it when it breaks. You have to look at well, it and go, "You're damn right." Damn right. <laughs> That's the end of that. And you sort of kick the glass in the direction of your cat, and you're like, "Pick it up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I give directions to my cat all the time. It doesn't usually work out for me. It's, it's uh, cats. Yeah, they're just yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so now with the uh, post production and everything that you're doing, um, you anticipate that it's going to be done when? Um, I do not have a date yet. Okay. We're working away, and um, we well, the thing is, we keep on doing. We keep on re-editing it because I know we can always get it better. Yeah. And um, I do want to keep it. My original goal was to have it be like an hour fifty. But what happens is with that sort of – with this POV uh, aspect, it, it becomes like no matter how interesting it is and how crazy it gets. And it, keep, you know, it keeps on getting crazier and crazier as the film progresses. I was very sure to watch the level of craziness involved. Yeah. But you still want to like – at first people told me it should be 80 minutes. I was like, shut up. I'm not going to do an 80-minute film. So those are mostly sort of – you know, there's very few great 80-minute films. There are some, but generally it's sort of like, let's keep it short so we don't have to spend too much money. Uh -huh. So we actually shot a film that's about 2 hours 20. And it's all one shot, but uh, once Come on, I start no way all one shot. No, no, it's not one shot. It felt like one shot. Oh, like okay. every turn. I was gonna say every turn. No, 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 no. You can't. No, it took us. You know, it took us. You know, six, not six months. Like four months of shooting. Like three and a half months. Of, yeah, four months of shooting. You can't do that in one shot. All right. You're sort of you put it. You know, you give everybody speed and and meth, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but we didn't have the money for that many drugs, so um, we split <laughs> only it. the normal amount. <laughs> yes, the normal. Yeah. No, we're actually very drug-free and alcohol-free. I think um, we uh, we did celebrate the end of big shooting blocks, though. We did we did allow ourselves a little bit of the Russian crazy party time. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, mostly we held it back. So yeah, and then uh, so it was a two-hour twenty movie that it's it's it, it's watchable, mm-hmm. but you don't want to see a scene where he's walking with the main character for five minutes through the woods. Right. It doesn't matter. You can find the prettiest woods in the world. It's still five minutes through the woods. People, yes. you know, I value people's time, and uh, a good film is really you know it's, it should be as compact as it can get. So that's what we're doing now. It's uh, we're doing recuts and. Um, but not under eighty minutes. No, no. I think it's going to be. I think it was like I think it'll be around ninety-five to hundred. It's um, it's again. It's never been about just cutting down the minutes. It's always been about maximizing the effect of the film. And uh, you know, it's it's hard enough because it's my it's my first feature-length project. And then it's the problem with this is that there's no nothing to compare this to. You can't watch this and be like, well, compare it to Apocalypse Now. It's fine. It's well, it's no because it's never been. Apocalypse Now in the version shot of POV. Right. If there had been, it would have been. This wouldn't have been that much fun because it was great to sort of be the pioneers of the field, go where no one's gone before, etc. But it, the, the downside is that you really have to improvise. You really don't know what you're doing. You think you do, and then you get on set, and it turns out you don't because the, this camera doesn't sort of allow you. And the camera plays not just the camera. The GoPro's fine, but yeah. it's the it's the method that really does limit you, and you have to creatively come up with ideas all the time and nothing there's nothing that like i think out of a 130 pages in the script i think the only thing we didn't change was like maybe three or four pages Hmm. the rest was always and i'm not talking about dialogues because most of those like stayed um but i'm talking about like action beats and just it's i think the script that people are going to read for hardcore when it comes out if anybody will ever want to read that script it'll have to be i'm going to rewrite it from the actual uh, film rather than them seeing the something that's not on the screen. So uh, rather rather that. than the actual like production notes and all that kind of stuff. Because pretty much it is it, it's it's a big it was a very sort of just uh, he goes here he fights five cops and then you don't know how he's gonna fight him. It's like it, it's it's funny but uh, I was I remember reading about the Saw franchise which I absolutely despise except for the first one. Uh-huh. But what they used to do is apparently I never read those scripts but they I, that someone was telling me that they read the script and it went. And here he comes to this, and Jigsaw's here, and then there's a insert puzzle here, person dies. So that's it. So <laughs> nobody, I don't know if that's true, and maybe I, I don't want to badmouth the writers, although they kind of deserve it. But um, it's the same thing. It's like action set pieces. You just have to know the number and the people. And then like the day before, you start rehearsing, and the day, on the day you shoot, and then hopefully something happens. So there's a lot of trial and error. The whole film is trial and error, and I love it for that. And if we're going to go on uh, many, many tangents like that, I want to add to something you said before about the, you know, five minutes of walking through the woods, no matter how beautiful it is, it's still five minutes of walking through the woods. I have that argument with people all the time, like the original one that still makes people mad to this day. That's the way I felt about the movie Lost in Translation. People love it and they're like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful and all that. And I'm like, if you cut out every scene where they're just staring out a window while music plays in the background, that movie mm-hmm. would be a half hour long. You know, it's. I'm in, sorry. Particularly, so they, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's, I always uh, had I, that argument. I didn't care for that movie. I was just like, oh, great. Another scene. I'm like, uh-oh, there's a window. And there they go. <laughs> Don't come near that window. Yeah. But, um, I, th- I think that movie was lost in translation on you. <laughs> <It was>. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> well played. Um, <laughs> um, lost translation. I'm, I just looked that up on IMDb. It's 101 minutes. I saw it in the theater. I liked the mood. I remember very little. I remember him singing karaoke. And then kissing and the the whispering in the end, but um, and Scarlett Johansson would instantly be in her underwear when she would walk into her hotel room. If you were the director, I'm pretty sure it would be. Yeah, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm okay uh, with, that with that part. It's that's fine. 
there's not going to be many people who are going to be like, no, you're not going to have Scar Joe naked right off the bat. Just it's like in happen. the movie Her, it's like, hey, we need somebody uh, for this movie. Let's get Scarlett Johansson, and we'll just use her voice. You know, I, he, she was the She's voice got, of the she computer. Got a nice voice, I know, but, not... but that's not why you put her in a movie. <laughs> Nobody wants to see well, her. <laughs> don't tell Spike Jones that, but um, or rather, do tell him, and he's going to be like, okay. But coming back to Lost in Translation, I think yeah. it's one of those films where the mood is much more important. It's not an action film. It's not a thriller. It's not a set piece driven, story driven thing. It's about yeah. two people meeting up, two lonely souls in a in a, in a different planet. Yeah. So. In that respect, I think like it works, um, and you know it does have generally. You know, I think it was well reviewed, and you know, Sofia Coppola. I don't think she did anything quite as good afterwards. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if you're looking for a film, again, this, this is a big thing where if you're looking for a specific kind of film, and then you're shown something slower, then you're not going to like it. And it's always a problem when you're picking movies when you want to go to the movies or you want to you know buy a movie or download a movie. You have to know what you're looking for. Otherwise, you might get surprised in the wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, like a film like Drive. Drive also could have been way shorter, mm-hmm. but it's great the way it is because it's a mood kind of film. It's an atmosphere. It's a little trippy kind of thing, like a pop poem kind of uh, situation. So it's, you know, but, but with hardcore, it's an action movie. And you cannot have an action movie where five minutes they're walking. They can have a pretty good dialogue in there in the forest as they walk through, sure. But it's still one camera looking at the back of a guy going through trees. You know what? I, I have to give you kudos for the fact that you brought that right back to your film. That was impressive, sir. Oh, thank <laughs> we you. had that total tangent, and then you brought hardcore back into it. That was awesome. Well done. Wow. I feel really good now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> Let me just tell my wife. <laughs> yep, sir. <laughs> All right. She's not here. That's... <laughs> and then, so I want to ask a, a couple more things about, uh, or, you know, a few more things before we wrap up today. And one of them, going back to the band. Um, now with all this film stuff, do you guys tour or are you essentially kind of just writing music and, uh, producing it? Um, what happened now, once hardcore began, I had right before hardcore began and right after bad motherfucker, we had amazing offers to go on tour. Just like stuff that, you know, a little unknown band from Russia would just be like, holy shit, that's happening to us. And I had to decline. And the Mm. band was kind of like, oh, you asshole. Oh, but, um, we had to decline everything because the film started and I knew I was going to be in lockdown for like, you know, nine, 10 maybe a year but it's been going for a while now and uh, over the last two years I think we had about six gigs and um, we did come around and we started writing music because we are writing a little bit of music for the film uh, a little bit of score a little bit a few songs I think but it has been sort of on a hiatus is that how you say hiatus or hiatus what's nope, the right hiatus. word hiatus hiatus, yeah. hiatus. oh nice yeah um, so we're on a hiatus uh, and pretty much we actually just started rehearsing last night because we got a uh, pretty cool invite. We're doing a big uh, snowboard festival uh, in Moscow and then we're going north in St. Petersburg at the end of the month. So that's going to be going to play some new songs and play in a, like a huge, huge uh, mountain with like, it's going to be cold. So wow. outside, great. Exactly what you need to do. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the plan, no, I don't think I, I my, my plan is as soon as we go into the final stage of hardcore I'm going to, like, I would love to bring the guys to America where we're going to be doing the post for Hardcore. Uh, I'm looking for a producer now who will be able to, uh, we have a new album written out in demos. Mm-hmm. Uh, not perfect demos, it needs some more work, but I want to release an album. By its, I want to have an album ready by the time Hardcore comes out and sort of have a, a double release. And um, hopefully Hardcore will help the band out again and we might get the same kind of level of offers that we had before. Because there were some fantastic things there that I 
really am uh, pissed at myself for having to miss. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see. Ho- yeah, hopefully it does. I mean, I, I assume from the success of the the uh, crowdfunding campaign that there's definitely interest involved. There's, it, we'll see. It's 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 very sort of like. Um, we were like flavor of the week when Bad Motherfucker came out, mm-hmm. and then a month later, things like the offers were kind of there, but like I know they weren't so hot. Like I met with record labels in the states, and I met with some interesting record labels, and I remember thinking that, well, what am I going to do? We sign with them now, and then I go away for a year and a half, and they give us money, and they don't get anything in return for at least two years, right? Which is, and you know, I should have been an asshole. And she'd be like, yeah, 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 sure, we'll sign, but I kind of came out and said, I want to do the film first, and then after that. And everyone's kind of like, hmm, we'll see. So that's what we're, we're going to see. We don't we don't have a label right now. And um, we can self-release. It's not a big problem. But we'd like to, for once, work with a producer. We've never done that. Everything was produced by me. And I'm not a producer. I just sort of, like, figure it out by poking the buttons and seeing what happens. Um, so we want to do a next album and, and for the producer and uh, get a nice label, uh, probably in the States or maybe European. And then we'd like to go on tour because we have never played. This is to me is very important we have never played in a country that has english as a primary language and since i oh. take pretty decent care of writing lyrics and you know I, I i try to sing them so you understand them which is you know for not, not a lot of punk bands tend to do that but it's kind of been my point where i like people to understand the message uh, what's the point of having a great message if you're growling it i never got that hmm. uh but um and i've never played to a crowd of people apart from we played the olympics in the sochi where there was a big international crowd at red bull thing oh. but apart from that Everything was always, uh, I'm playing to Russians who uh, love Russians, but they don't mostly understand what I'm saying. And we have a little bit of following here, but I'd like to go out and, you know, hit the road somewhere in the States or Europe and England. And I think it would be fantastic. I just want to give it a shot. It doesn't work out. Fine. I'll go back to film. I'll, I'll be happy, but I want to give it one single shot. And that's me. One more album. I love how you were just able to go in. We played the Olympics in Sochi, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it wasn't like the big, it wasn't the full, like, it's interesting. Um, what they do is with, like, when they have the Olympics, Red Bull is not part of the sponsorship committee, right? Oh, okay. So they don't, so what's interesting, so what they come to all the Olympics that happen, and Red Bull does these sort of, like, little fuck you underground parties where they're off the radar, but they're there. Uh, and so we played at one of those. It was like, it wasn't like 10,000 people. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm so sorry. So you weren't at, like, the opening games or, no, or anything no, like we, that? <laughs> we, we played, like, there was, like, I don't know, like, 800 snowboarders out there we played i think all the i think the olympic guys were there the, the u.s team and everything were in the club it's like a big club in uh, up in the mountains but it's um it wasn't part of the official program no okay that sounds cool we're not part of the establishment all right we're right punks. <laughs> now uh before we wrap up uh today is there anything that uh you might want to mention or tell us about that maybe we haven't covered or you'd like to just talk about before we Go I today? think you know too much. I, <laughs> it hasn't been hard having a conversation with you. No, it has not. Um, which is did a good I, thing. Did I talk that, way through that, that, but did I give you guys a chance to ask everything you wanted, or did I just blabber on? Because I could have blabbered on. I, it's okay to oh, tell me if I did. No, that's, those that. are the best. Yeah, that's the best. The best. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's, it's Otherwise, terrible it's me when we doing have to it. Lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's terrible. Awesome. Okay, I feel good. Now. Well, thanks, Thank Doug. You dick um (laughs) and uh we're going to be closing today uh with the song toothpick uh do you want to say anything about the song toothpick or just uh kind of intro i think i think true art shall speak for itself sir there you go nice nice i like the i like the attitude the confidence yeah i hope i hope your listeners like it and uh it's been a pleasure being here thank you very much for having me and um 
when the hardcore comes out and you hear about it, you get a chance to see it in the theater, please do. One of a kind, unique experience. And uh, there's a 75% chance you might like it. Or you will like it. Nice. Yeah. Percentage. So. Okay, we're playing the percentages. And uh, here is this song, uh, Toothpick by Biting Elbows. And Ilya, thank you for coming on the show again today. Thank you very much, Doug and Tom. And Tom and Doug. Yeah, Tom and Doug. Yeah, I like my name first. Tom yep, there you go. Yeah, Tom Doug. And this has been another Music Manument podcast at musicmanument.com. Some folks got the patience of the angels, not me. My heart, well, it yearns for vengeance. When they leave the place, I'm gonna leave smoking. Hearts to be healed and their ribs to be broken. Hearts to be healed and their ribs to be broken. When they leave the place, I'm bound to leave.